0: Log Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner.
1: And I'm your co host, Brian J. Henderson.
0: Brian, I think tonight's show is going to set the tone for a lot of nonprofit organizations. It's going to set the tone for a lot of corporations that are out there, the people that are starting. Uh, Foundations and nonprofit foundations like myself, like you and I, Brian, we're doing the same thing right now. Mm -hmm. And we needed to know what kind of board members we need to sit on the board to make the big-time decisions, Brian. It is very important. We hear about all the time about the board members fighting and going back and forth. But tonight, Brian, we have someone on that's going to help us not make that bad decision.
1: Yes, yes. You know, most people will ask the question, what is the perfect board member? And so just the fact that we have our guest on tonight and he's written a book entitled The Perfect Board, he's not only going to give us a little bit of insight also with the book on what the perfect board is, is, is capable of doing and capable of, you know, allowing you to do things. Right. Well, let me rephrase that. What he's going to show us through his book is how to create the perfect situation for your nonprofit or your business. Yes. And that starts with having the perfect board.
0: Yes, yes. And, Brian, you know, it's so important because a lot of people, when they they start businesses and they they have a board, they don't really put a, a lot of thought into the board. They just go with family members or just people that they know. And then when things start to get a little crazy, the board may go one way and the president and CEO may try to go another way and now they're clashing and now we're having problems.
1: Right, right.
0: And it's hurting the business, it's hurting the people that's under it. Uh, Let's say you have a foundation or or, or another program you have going and you have people at the top fighting Well, that fighting is going to trickle down and everybody's going to feel it. Now the entire board, the company itself is hurting because of lack of communication, and which is probably the most important part, but I'm going to let him explain that. But right. the, the communication is, is key because we all need one another to succeed. No matter what it is in life that you're trying to do, you have to talk with someone else. Right. But before you can really get to that point, you're going to have to ex- show uh, that, that you can communicate. Yeah and not wait until the middle uh, of a crisis to figure out, oh, oh, this person wasn't the best fit for what I'm trying to do. Right. And now you're stuck in a rut.
1: You know, and, and I think the other part of that is you always want to surround yourself with people who are, one, competent, and two, like-minded. And I think that's some of the, you know, that's, that. if I was going to create a board for anything, those are the, probably the two most important things in my mind that I would want to have.
0: Yeah. yeah you know
1: well great let's, in, let's introduce our guest because I know okay. he's just teeming with information and he's ready yeah. to share with us, okay, go ahead for those that are just joining in, you're listening to the abundant solutions hour and tonight's guest is uh best selling author Calvin k. Clemens, and he is uh has served on many boards of directors as well as being the executive vice president or executive director of 16 different associations. Wow. He's a certified association executive and a certified meeting professional. And he's the founder and president of Clemens & Associates, Incorporated, an association management company in Baltimore, Maryland, and has been in the association management field for 27 years. He also has a master's degree in marketing. You know, I think the most important part of it is that he's been doing this for a long time, yeah. and so he's qualified to speak on this, and he's also the author of The Perfect Board, and we'd like to bring him on by saying a wonderful welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour to you, Mr. Clemens. Are you there?
2: Well, Brian and Greg, it's great to be with you two tonight. And thank you very much for that uh, very loquacious uh, introduction. I hope I can live up to it. <laughs> we know
0: 20, 27 years plus experience, we know that you can uh, definitely, you, you, you're you more than uh, worthy of being on the show and doing what you're doing. But, you know, what? I, I wanted to say with, when Brian was saying how long you've been doing this, you know, Brad and I—we were just talking just the other day. We see a lot of people starting companies and starting things, and we see them just fall to the wayside. But you've been doing this thing for almost three decades. How in the world, where do you find the 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 energy to 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 uh, continue?
2: Well, I guess it was uh, determined uh, some time ago by somebody upstairs who said, "This is your direction in life," and. I've been following it for all that time, and it's kind of been my passion to help others, to lead the way, to show them how they can be more successful, how they can interact with others, and how they can make the uh, board of directors function as, as the way it was envisioned and the way it was designed. So, so that's what keeps me going, Greg. Uh, it's just that that inner uh, feeling of success.
1: Hmm. <laughs> you know, Greg, <laughs> that's awesome. what I hear from him is, and, and he didn't necessarily say this word, but this is what I hear from him. He's committed to serving.
0: Passion. I heard that. Because passion. he
1: said it was his
0: passion
1: yes. that that drove him into doing this. He said, the man upstairs said, this is your direction. And he became passionate about that. That's awesome.
2: That, that's correct. You, you know, my experience has shown me through the years that what I've seen in a lot of different boards is people who are willing to work, but they don't have the tools. They don't understand. They don't know what's required uh, for being on, the, on a board. And it's, and it's easy because it's not taught in schools. There's not a lot of books out there about it. And that's why I, I wrote the book, The Perfect Board, was to help them out. But not a textbook. It's an easy-to-read book, uh, something that people can pick up and read in a couple of hours. Hmm. And carry with them. They can make notes in it and, you know, help them, guide them in their discharge of their duties.
0: Mm. I, I, this is Greg. i tell you, um, just looking over your, your site, uh, theperfectboard.com, you have a lot of information in there. I saw a couple of forms that you're just giving away for people to use. Uh, the, I think it's the, um, there's a uh, policy form that you have on there, Conflict of Interest. Right. Yeah, that's, that's awesome.
2: Well, one of the forms that we do have on there, and I'll get back to conflicts of interest later on, is a commitment form. You probably saw that, correct?
0: Yes, yes I did. Yes.
2: And, and that's, Greg and, and, and Brian, that's one of the things that we've seen, that a lot of people get on boards, and uh, they just don't understand the commitment it takes. You know it's going to take time, money, and effort to work on a board. And especially if you're dealing with a nonprofit organization, it's your time. Because you're giving it. You're not going to get paid for this time. So you've got to have the commitment. And what we've always felt is that if the commitment is outlined in advance and it lists exactly what your responsibilities are, you know, four meetings a year uh, or this or that, and that you may have to spend some of your own money and you may have to do some additional study. And then if that person writes their name down and signs that form, then they have made that commitment and they've kind of attested to themselves that they are going to be committed and use that time. So that's one of the tools that we have that can help people and help a board.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I've actually been on a couple of boards in the past, and, you know, one of the things that I've experienced on that board is exactly what you talked about earlier not really knowing what to do. And, you know, the other people on the board were kind of sort of just on the board but there's really not a real true direction that, you know, we seem to be going in. And so, you know, what are your thoughts on those types of boards that sort of just, you know, people are just on there just to be on there and to say, hey, I'm on this particular board?
2: There are some people who like to uh, do, as we say, build their resume. So it might be nice to have the, the names of a couple of, organizations that they've been on the board of directors doesn't mean they did anything but (laughs) heck it looks good doesn't it
0: (laughs) Yes, it does
2: and um you know know, you've talked about that a lot of boards don't know where they're going and and i think if we get back to the fact that if the boards, the board's principal job is to determine and advance the organization's mission and and when when you define the mission of the organization that's the driving force. That's what's telling the board, hey, this is where we have to go. You can't do everything. An organization cannot do everything. We all know that. You can't do that even in your own life. You can't do everything. Right. So you you pick out that mission. You develop a strategic plan. You use resources, and you go to it and you get the job done. And that's what a board should be doing. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I, I tell you what, uh, there's a, like you said, a lot of people are dressing up their resumes, and they're really – not uh, doing the things that they should do, especially if you have an organization that are helping people that really need to be helped. Uh, I'll use um, some of the things that Brian and I do. We, We go into detention centers and we go all over the place dealing with youth, and they really need the service. But when it comes down to board members and meetings and that type of thing, we we hardly ever see or hear anything about that. But these people are getting money. You know, money is coming in to the board. I'm not to the board, but coming into the organization, and it's almost as if they're using these um, powerful people's names to get recognitions, to get funding. Is is that something that you you come
2: across? Well, that that sometimes can happen. Yes, you you need to have some people that have some good connections that can help bring in some funds because that's a, that's a principal um, uh, function of the organization. You've got to have money. If you don't have money, you can't do anything about the mission of the organization. Right. But I wanted to get to the point where you talked earlier, Greg, about having the right mix of people. And, and one of the things that, that we try to encourage is to develop a kind of a talent matrix with your board. Yeah. Every board needs somebody with some financial experience. Everybody needs a board with, with somebody that has some organizational skills. They need somebody with marketing skills. They need somebody with sales skills. They need somebody with leadership skills or whatever those areas that you think you need. Develop a matrix of, and identify those people in the community or your organization where you can bring in that accountant-type person. That's invaluable to have somebody like that on the board who can uh, you know, help steer the board to, to uh, achieve its, its financial
1: goals. Yeah. Yeah. And the Go question ahead, I was going to ask you, Mr. Clements, do sure. you believe that? Just call me Cal. Cal. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. All right. Do you believe that the person that you bring in, let's say you 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 um you have someone that is that you know stellar top notch accountant or maybe uh-huh. that stellar top notch attorney, and you may need that particular person on your board. Do you believe they have to share the vision of your board in order to be effective? Oh, absolutely!
2: Yes, everyone on the board should have the should share the vision of that organization because that's what makes them uh, contribute from from within uh, and and helps them forge the direction for the for the group. If they don't have the shared vision, I'm not sure how they can really you know contribute. You want everybody on the on the you know on the same page or the same same railroad track. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And, and let me let me just say this: that doesn't mean that they have to agree with everything the organization does. Because you want honest discourse and good conversation at a board meeting. You want people to share ideas, and maybe maybe an idea is no good, and maybe an idea is very good. But you won't know that unless you have good discussion and
1: open discussion. Right, right. And that that was going to be my next question: Do they have to be like-minded so much that everything that the maybe the executive director or the board president says? they kind of go with, you know, or do you think that the fact that some have their own opinions about how certain things go, you know, do you think that's essential for maybe the growth and development of that board?
2: I would want people of different, diverse communities representing the board so that you have lots of different opinions. And I'd want to create a board environment where people could speak their minds, their opinions without fear of incrimination or discrimination and that they know that whatever they say is going to be held within that board meeting and not, you know, advertised to the press the next day or told to their neighbors the next day. Because I would want to have those kinds of conversations protected, and they really are protected uh, 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 under under the laws. Board conversations are um, uh, held to be confidential.
1: Hmm. And so the person that may be out there talking about well, such and such said this at the board meeting, and I didn't like it. And so maybe they took it to some of the other board members. You know, because yeah. I'm, one of the worst, one of the worst things that can
2: happen is for the people to leave the board meeting uh, after talking confidentially about things, and then having the, this uh, little uh, rump meeting in the parking lot. <laughs> Have you ever seen that before? <laughs> oh
1: yes. <laughs> That's why I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Like we that. don't
2: like those.
1: You know, it's sort of like that meeting about the meeting after the meeting.
2: Yeah, and, and I want to go back to the Greg about the independent thinkers. That's what you want. You want some independent thinkers on your board. You don't want everybody to march along the same tune because what if you pick the wrong direction? Then you're going to be going the wrong direction. Oh, you want yes. some people to say, hey, are we doing the right thing? Is this the right way to spend our money? Is this the right purpose of the organization? Questions. You want to have good questions.
0: Yeah, and... One thing the the fundraising part about it I I don't think people really understand how important uh the fundraising is um here in Florida to if you have an organization and you want to solicit you have to go through an agency and I think it's with the Department of Agriculture Consumer Services. So there's a lot of things that people really need to know before they can just jump out there and think that they know and they're doing things in, in the wrong way. They could be fined for it, and, you know, they need to be honest. That's one thing that I saw, one of the excerpts of, of your book, is you want a board um, that will be honest and not go with just any old thing uh, to, to raise money or to bring money into the organization.
2: That's correct. The, the the term I use is you have to have impeccable trust and integrity, and that's a key trait for any board members. They, they you know if if there's trust and honesty then guess what there's a great amount of respect on that board and people can really work together it's when there's mistrust and you've seen it in many other parts of of your lives and we've all seen that when there's mistrust don't you just like don't want to contribute anything i mean your mind says hey i'm not going to i'm not going to give any of my ideas cuz i'm not sure that person i can trust that person right so you want to destroy that you don't want that that Mistrust. You want to have honest people and trustworthy people on the outset.
1: Yes, yes. You know, and I and I think that there are some folks out there that have been on, you know, the wrong side of that equation. And there are many who have learned their lesson and have learned how to do it. You know, but what about the ones who are out there that maliciously try to influence, you know, certain board members to go certain ways? You know, I can recall um, there was a local organization where the founder had created this board, and, you know, they were getting funds in, and the board members were actually being paid to be on the board. Well, she had, uh, she had taken to them the idea of fundraising because some of the grants and uh, subsidies that they were getting were running out, and they had started going into the red. Well, they didn't like the direction that she was trying to take them. Well, she was trying that she was trying to take the, the company that she had suggested, uh-huh. and this was one that she built. Well, they decided to remove her as executive director. Was this one a, of the uh, ideas? Was to let's start by cutting the salaries of the board members to try to make up the deficit.
2: Was this a for-profit corporation or non-profit organization?
1: I believe it's a uh, it's it was a for profit that also right. had nonprofit status or something like that. I'm not exactly sure. Wow,
2: well, because most not for profit organizations uh, the the directors are not compensated in any way. Right. Um, uh, so so I'd be curious about the the financial or the um, the the status the legal status of the organization. Mm-hmm. It could be a corporation, and in which case some directors are compensated. They're not always compensated a lot, but they they could be compensated enough that they would want to cut the salaries to keep the organization alive. Right. Uh, you mean, and, and that's that's the right. primary difference between not nonprofit and uh, uh, corporate uh, boards is the the compensation.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Uh, but you, but yeah, if, if if you have a corporate board and and the the CEO controls the purse strings and and controls the controls the board, then he or she can actually uh, change the direction because people work for money, and they're going to go where their paycheck is. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, That's that's his human nature.
0: Yes. I'm I'm on your site right now, and I'm reading about the honesty. And and I'm going to read this, and I want you to talk about it a little bit. If you discover another director is dishonest, it is up to you to make the challenge. Tough to do, you bet, and it takes courage and character.
2: Uh, I, it, those words say it all. If you see something that's not right that demands uh, immediate attention, you've got to stand up and say, "Hey, this is not true. This is incorrect." Because once you allow that that uh, apple to start to decay, you, we, we all know what happens to the. For the apple then it decays other ones and and you've got to stand up that'll do two things number one it'll increase the respect for you because people will know that you're honest and have have integrity and it'll probably destroy a bad idea and if you attack the idea not the person you'll you'll do a heck of a lot better job than if you attack the person
0: yeah i like that i like
2: that and 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 that's why that's why if you deal with facts and the board deals with facts and not myths and not rumors and not gossip, uh, you can get a lot done on a board.
1: You know, you said something that I've probably not seen many boards be able to do. Deal without gossip. (laughs) You know, because there's always that one or two people that does that, and they don't like the direction that the board is going. And so the first thing they say, somebody Trying to take over, you know. Oh yeah. Why does that person? Why does everybody listen to that person? What makes mm-hmm. that person so special and so smart? You know. And I think that's that's really when your board starts to disintegrate. You know, when you have that one person that's, you know, like you said, that one bad apple.
2: Uh, no question about it. That's what you've got to try to prevent. And and again, you prevent it. Is from my view is with, with with facts. If you lay the facts out on the table and don't allow that to start. But there are people who, who, who crave power and they want to be in control, and they'll use every means at their disposal to get control. So you've got to be really careful about how to handle them. That's why I've always chosen if you put the facts on the table and you don't attack the person, you're liable to be much more successful. I'm not going to say you're going to be successful 100% of the time because sometimes you're not. You can't beat the other person. They've got too many people on their side, and, and they may, may win. But at least you give it a good uh, college try. Yeah.
0: Hmm. It, it, would you say that um, discipline is something that's needed on the board? Discipline. Discipline.
2: Oh, oh yes, a, a, absolutely. You, you need to have discipline. Uh, you, you have to have people that can control. And actually, this comes down to the, to the chairman or the president, whatever they call the leader. He or she is the one that's responsible for that discipline to keep everything in order. That's their principal role. Hmm.
0: I'll tell you what, I, I see that you are a, <laughs> an Army captain.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so that's
0: something that's something you don't have a problem uh, dealing with, the discipline. But, you know, when, when, when you have a board, that says so much because when you're looking at a big organization and I won't say any big names but there's a lot out there that we see on television that are just raising tons and tons of money and when you see something that's dishonest and it comes out it not only hurts the company it hurts the the people that are benefiting from that company because now you have people out there like me let's say me when I see that on television, that they've been dishonest, or this person's taken all the money, it, it it makes you not want to give. So, you know, that makes the entire company suffer because of someone's dishonesty.
2: Uh, that's that's correct, Greg, absolutely. I mean, when when you see it, and we don't have to mention any names because people have seen them in the headlines, yeah. when you see an organization that has squandered money or wasted money or there's been some... Um, embezzlement, or there's been some uh, chicanery, or there's been, you know, the executive director runs off with a secretary. Uh, <laughs> those, those kinds of things just destroy your organization and, and make it tough for that organization to succeed. That's why you try to set up these safeguards and have conflicts of interest policies and good financial policies so you can prevent them. Will prevent 100%? No, because we're dealing with humans. Right, and the humans, humans, you know, they make mistakes. They uh, they see things they shouldn't always see. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know about this. I mean, we we deal with this every day with with humans. But you try to do the best you can to to minimize those kinds of exposures. And that's we have talked about the conflict of interest uh, form earlier. And that's one thing I'd like to just say something about mm-hmm. is that. A conflict of interest arises, like say, for example, you're on a board and you're going to paint the church, or paint the school, or paint a house in the community, and your brother-in-law is a paint contractor. Well, you kind of got to declare that. Now he may still get the business, but you got to declare that you know that he's going to submit a bid to do the work, and that's and that's just a very simple illustration. And you probably have heard and seen many other ones but you have to declare that conflict of interest
1: and get it on paper and let the board know about it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right. You know, it also says that you've been in the association management business for 27 years. You know, tell us, what different organizations have you dealt with in those years? I've dealt primarily
2: with trade associations, and that's a group of business people coming together. Uh, and uh, sharing ideas, working together as an industry to promote that industry. And uh, you could call it a special interest group, and that's a dirty word today, but they're, they're not really uh, special interest groups from that standpoint. They're trying to educate the, uh, the the world about what they do. One group I work with is, is in fire protection, and they try to teach the people about good fire protection uh, for uh, Cultural resources and for special hazards, and and they have a really good purpose of of existing. Are they special interests? I guess they are, but we need some special interests because there's lots of other ones around. It seems like a special interest is just uh, uh, a nasty word to call somebody else's cause or somebody else's association. Right
1: when you, when you're not interested in it, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, when you're not interested in it, right? <laughs> But, but I've also worked in the office products area and the pet industry and in the uh, woodworking industry and in the machinery industry. So I, I've been in a lot of different industries in, in the trade associations.
1: Wow. So you, I guess you could say that you have a unique perspective on associations because you've been in so many different ones. You've seen ones that are, quote-unquote, the special interest, and you've seen others that may be just a culmination of different types of industries. And have come together. That's that's
2: correct. That's correct. It's been a it's very been a very rewarding, uh, richly rewarding experience and and career. And I encourage people to get into the association business, the non for profit uh, business. Do you know that the IRS said last year that there was 1.8 million non profit organizations that they've recorded? Wow. Mm. And then I'll give you one more little fact. The average board size is 19. Multiply nineteen times one point eight million, and you get about forty to fifty million people that are serving on boards. That's a lot of people. Wow. That's a that's a lot of quote unquote special interests, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah. You take all those organizations, and they all have a special interests. Whether it's you know the American Medical Association, or the theatrical owners, or the pet shop owners, or the dog groomers, or whomever. You have lots of different special interests out there, mm-hmm.
0: and in this country, you know that shows a lot. I mean, that just means a lot because when we have a, a something tragic to happen in this country, uh, I re- remember nine one one. Yes, all non nonprofit organization that you've never heard of before coming forward. There was one for pets that were in. Uh, well, not not, not the 911, but the one in the Hurricane Katrina that hit New Orleans. Yes, Go you ahead. had nonprofit organization for the animals. I saw them coming in, and they were giving help to the animals, and you know just treating the animals, and it was it was just amazing, you know, to to know that something that's out there like that you've ne- never heard of, you never thought about, that would be out there. And they were there. You know, I saw people coming in, the naturalists, and they come. They were coming in, and they were trying to uh, look at the trees that were damaged by all the water and that type of thing. And it was, I, I was just blown away when I saw that.
2: Yeah, There's amazing numbers. If if your listeners want to check out some of the different names of associations and organizations, go to charitynavigator.com, and you'll see. Uh, a tremendous list of organizations. and Not only that, but on Charity Navigator, and I have no interest in Charity Navigator at all, but uh, they have a listing of of the uh, organization, how much money is raised by that organization, how much goes to staff and administrative services, and then the key thing is how much actually goes to programs and services for those organizations. Mm. It's a fantastic tool. Uh, There's also one called GuideStar where you can get a uh, very similar information uh, that you can go to.
1: Hmm. Well, wow, I'm actually out on the Charity Navigator, and you're right. There's a lot of associations. <laughs>
2: you got there that fast.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I'm on high speed. <laughs> now, see, there's well over a thousand human services organizations. Yeah, isn't
0: it
2: amazing? Wow,
0: oh. it's it's amazing. It's, it's just it just shows. I don't care what anybody says. It just shows the level of commitment and love that this country have for one another and, and the things that we do. Um, we can fuss and fight about gas prices being high and everything else, but when it comes down to this country pulling together, that happens. It definitely happens.
1: You know, and the amazing thing about it is when you think about the word not for profit or non profit, you know, these people are not are not trying to get rich. By helping you. You know, most people that are out there, they're trying to make, if they're helping you, they're trying to make a living off helping you, and they're trying to get paid. Right. And it wouldn't matter how much money that, you know, that wasn't spent in the nonprofit, it goes back. You know, it's like somebody, they've already decided, this is how much money I'm going to make a year, you know, for this particular program.
2: Well, Brian, I just want to point out one thing, too. Not-for-profit is a tax status. From the IRS, but you don't want your organization to be nonprofit because you got to make some money. You got to <laughs> have a surplus. You got to be able to continue the organization, and, and you do that by making sure you have a good, sound financial plan. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the things a lot of fo- folks out there they, they get a little confused on. They say not for profit, and I've heard this from board members to say, "Well, we're not supposed to make any money." And I say, "No, no, no, that's that's not correct. We can make money. It's okay to make money." We don't pay federal tax. We may have to pay state tax, depending upon our uh, classification, but we don't have to pay federal tax. But we want to make money because otherwise, if we don't keep the organization going, then what are we working for?
0: Is is that the biggest uh, misconception that you you think that's out there about the nonprofit organizations? When when someone is forming a um, nonprofit organization, they come to you for help. Is that is that you think that that's probably the number one uh misconception?
2: Well, yeah, I you, I often have to clear people up on that because they think that a not for profit organization means they can't make any profit. And and that's just a, that's just like I said earlier, it's a tax status and it's kind of a misnomer. It's because people don't they they haven't been educated into this area. They don't know about it, so it's something new to them and they've just heard through, you know, the grapevine and this is the way it is.
0: Yes, yeah. but you know, I, I want to kind of move away from this, and I want to sure. I want to talk to Mr. Clemens, the person, because everything that you're doing is centered around helping people. When no you, you question know, about it. Yeah, when you when you were a kid growing up, and you we all have dreams and we all have goals. Was it your dream to just help someone?
2: Yes, always was. I've always been a very helpful person. I was a Boy Scout. You know, <laughs> wow.
0: and and now when you look back over your life and you see all these these how much you're helping others and how much you're blessing them, how much is that being returned to you?
2: I think a lot of it has been returned to me through satisfaction of, of knowing that I've helped a lot of organizations, I've helped a lot of a lot of people. I know a lot of people; they know me uh i'm not a rich man, but i'm a rich man in a different way okay. if you know what i mean yes i,
0: do. Yes, I uh, do so
2: um and I feel good about what i've done in my life. I feel good about contributing, and I still feel good about contributing. I love helping organizations grow and and finding the right way because a lot of times they don 't know the right way, so it's it's as they say it's a jungle out there but yeah. <laughs>
0: but you know what I think you just defined the word success. I really do. I think the things that you just said, I really believe that you define the real definition of success.
2: It is my definition, yes. Wow.
0: And I knew Brian was probably going to (laughs) (laughs) – I figured Brian would probably say that's success. That's his definition of success. And it sounds like you can go home every night and go to sleep and don't have to worry about anything because you gave that day – you're all, and you help someone. Uh,
2: I absolutely feel that way, except in one area, and that's my golf game. <laughs> uh,
0: I think we're all struggling in that area a little bit. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: I, I, I know uh, I haven't played in a while, but when I do play sometimes, I'll tell you what, that Competing with that ball is something else, and you're really not competing with the ball. You're really competing with yourself. It's something you're doing wrong. The ball is just going to do whatever you tell it to do.
2: Right. (laughs) And, And this is what I say. Tiger Woods may know about golf and plays a hell of a game in golf. But he doesn't know much about boards. I know more about boards. So. <laughs> well, you're, the, you're the
0: tiger woods of boards, huh?
2: Well, I don't want to use that expression. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I tell you what, I tell you, you've you really made your, your mark in, in what you're doing. And, I, and I'm just, uh, too, it's just fascinating to me for you to sit down and write a book, The Perfect Board. I've mm-hmm. never heard of anything, any. I haven't heard anybody talking about how to choose a board, and, and I mean, you know, you have, you see blogs and that type of thing, but for you to travel the country speaking and doing the things that you're doing and talking about a board, where did that where did that come from? I, I know you said you served on a lot of boards. We read that, but yes. deep down inside, where did that come from for you to say, you know what? I, I think I can help some people um, get out of the headaches and, and, and warn them beforehand so they won't fall into this pit you know, The mistakes that a lot of people make when they're trying to choose a board i'm just curious the perfect board was that something that you just 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 fell in your lap or, or how, how did you come up with it
2: greg i'm i'm really not sure where it came from it came from within and it came from within about five years ago or so and and it was my ideal to create this book and this actually uh, um, a way of teaching others so they could learn uh, how to be a, uh, a good director because, as I mentioned earlier, I just found that a lot of people didn't know that it's not taught in schools, and, and where else are you going to learn it? You're not going to even learn it on the street because right. nobody talks about boards on the street. Are you kidding me? Uh, so where are you going to learn it? Well, you have to learn it by being on the board. You get invited to a board, you don't even know what you're supposed to do. Uh, and and you have to serve a couple of years before you even think you know what you have to do. And then you're just learning from others that are sitting at the table, and maybe they don't even know what they're supposed to do. So you're just you're like this amoeba that's crawling around the floor. and And that was my goal was to say, hey, we don't want to just wander. We want to have direction. You want to have a mission. You want to know what you're supposed to do. It's not all that complicated, really, and that's what your listeners got to understand. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. It's all practical, and it's all there. It's kind of simple when you look at it. But when you're on the outside looking in, it does look complicated.
0: Yeah. You know, it's like anything else. If you're committed and you really want to be that great board member, you can pretty much. Yes. Yes. You just have to try and stay wet, stay at it, and as people, we're gonna have we're gonna clash at times. But uh, the communication. Oh yeah, how how important is communication when you when you're serving on the board?
2: It's imperative. You have to be able to communicate with the other people on the board. There's gonna be times when you have an assignment. Maybe you're on a committee of some type, and you need to talk amongst each other. So you have to have those open channels of communication so that you can talk freely and honestly between one another so you can get those facts out on the table so communication is very very important and as i mentioned earlier the communication of having that open board table is so important when you grew up and you you were on the family uh, uh, kitchen table you know your family pro- probably could share a lot of ideas and talk their mind without Knowing that somebody's going to carry the tail somewhere else—that's what you want to have on the board. That same open communication and honest communication. Mm.
0: That is important. That that's very important because that's that that's something that's lacking in a lot of a lot of organizations. Because you know, when you're supposed to have so many board meetings a year, and you ask, "You serve on my board? I won't bother you. I just need you to serve on the board." To get my five one C three or to make it look
2: good. Uh, well, we have a we have a, one of the greatest uh, lies that exist out on, on in in the board community, and this is what we say: you won't have to do anything when you get on the board. Yeah, you ever heard that? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, if that's the person that comes on the board, we really don't want that person because we want them to work. We not that they have to physically work with their hands and chop wood. We want their brain power. We want their ideas. We want their ingenuity. We, we we want their motivation, their emotions. We want all of that because that helps us grow as an organization, doesn't it, when we have all those people working together? Yes, yes, it does. Yeah, Absolutely. So you know, so we get back to that commitment form. If you're not willing to commit, we really don't want you on the board. And thank you. Maybe, maybe next year you can come back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you, and it's uh, about – The obligation, and and I'm reading uh, as part of your excerpts, it says directors are responsible for acting in the best interest of the organization. They are to use sound judgment, prudence, and diligence in discharging their responsibilities. Now, uh, that's correct.
2: uh, I'm sorry, the the premise is is that you are going to act on the and using your best judgment on behalf of that organization you got to put your personal life away you got to put your business life away cuz you're not representing those entities anymore you're representing that organization and the law expects you to use your best judgment and and reasonable care in carrying out those those
1: duties right and now my question was this how do you cuz i'm i've seen this when i've served on certain boards how do you separate the two from working on that board and using everything that you would use as if it's your own business, and not feel like that you have ownership of the board or of the corporation that you're serving on the board with?
2: It's 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 not well. It can be tricky, but it's it's not really. If you can just in in your mind saying. I have to leave my business behind. I have to leave my family behind because I'm representing uh, organization XYZ tonight, and I'm at their meeting, so I've got to use my talent, my skills for this organization, this association, this church, whatever it may be, and I've got to give my all to them. It's it's more mental than it is physical, hmm. and we call that the wearing of the hat. And if you want me to explain that, basically that means is that you wear different hats different days of the year. You wear a family hat, you wear a business hat, you might whatever hobby you're in. If you're a golfer, you wear a golfing hat. But when you're on that in that board meeting, you're wearing that organization's hat. That's your that's your allegiance.
0: Wow, I tell you what, that's that's something. It, that board, this this thing, the, the more that you talk about it, the more. Uh, I see just how serious it is. But, but like I said at the beginning, I just started a, a foundation myself. And I'm, like I said to you before the show, I'm just scared to death as far as trying to figure out who uh, shares pretty much the same ideas as myself or uh, somebody that's out there that uh, probably has a lot of influence in the communities that can really help get the organization. To where it should be and and not so much worry about the big mistakes that a lot of people make as far as bringing in their families and their friends when it shouldn't be that way. It should be, you know, you're going for the best interest of the organization, like you said, but that, I, I you know, I agree that that's one of the big problems out there right now is people tell the, the directors or, well, not the directors, but the people that are sitting on the board, uh, sit on the board, there's nothing that you have to do.
2: Yeah, that, and that, that's the big mistake because then it's all going to come back on one or two individuals. But, but but Greg, I would encourage you to take a legal pad and on the left-hand side just write all those talents that you want to have on your board. Like we discussed, a a, a, a somebody with law experience, mm-hmm. maybe a, a professor at a, at a local college, and a, somebody with finance experience, somebody with marketing experience and go right on down that line. And whatever that the, the area of your organization, whatever it is, maybe you want one or two experts in, in that industry as well. So you now you have a dozen or so people or qualifications that you're looking for. Then think about the people to fill those positions. Just like if you were going to have a regular company and you needed a salesperson or you needed a receptionist or you needed right. uh, somebody else, you would want to fill out and figure out you know who that person would be.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm doing that. I'm, I'm, to, I'm definitely going to do that. That's a golden nugget. Thank you so much. I, I you that. Go ahead. And then you
2: have to convince that person to serve without any pay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the thing. I guess that's the thing. But, you know, we have so many movie stars and so many athletes out there that they have these non-profit organizations, and they are bringing in money. And I wanted to ask you, uh, I know we're not going to say tax shelter, but people that, rich people that have foundations and and this type of thing, is that helping them uh, on the financial side? Is, is that really helping them?
2: Well, here's what can happen, and and I don't know all the details, and, and I'm not talking about any specific organizations, but if, if you've got a lot of money to start and you start a foundation uh for whatever it is, and you start collecting money, you can probably put in a couple family members as your administrative staff, and they could make some money and be paid administratively uh, pretty handsomely. If you bring in a couple of million dollars a year, you know, 20% for administration or something like that, that's, that's, that's a lot of money that you can pay some family members or some friends or whomever it is. That's not the intent of why we build associations and foundations, but some people may choose to do that
1: Hmm. right you know and i and i agree with you i think we we build these associations and these different companies and so forth because we do want to provide a service you know it's always been my contention that businesses are do business because they provide something that somebody wants and so with that premise you don't want to build the business with the sole purpose of making a whole lot of money. Because then what are you really after? Are you really after the money or the service? You know, Correct. I believe if you if you if you focus on quality service, the money will come. I agree with you hundred percent on that.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. And you, know, and you know, and that brings me to um the next topic I wanted to discuss sure. about uh boards and certain companies, especially nonprofits, you know, you had a lot of these nonprofits that, and Greg alluded to it earlier, that popped up during the, you know, the tragedies like Hurricane Katrina and 9-11, and, you know, they came on, they, you know, it came about these nonprofits, they were raising all these, you know, dollars, and then they had so much rampant corruption throughout that organization, you know, what does a board member you know, do when you know that that's occurring, but, you know, because I would feel like I'm kind of like helpless to stop it because I'm a part of it.
2: Well, again, I would say that you got to stand up and be counted and say, hey, this has got to stop. This is not what we're doing. And and if if there is corruption or if there's, you know, embezzlement or whatever is happening, you you just need to stop it because it's just not the right thing to do. Uh, You know, I'm not talking about any specifics here, but but, uh, you know, there, there, there were some excesses down there. And I, had, I was called during that time period, and, and uh, there was a lot of people making phone calls and taking advantage of, of folks that were giving money. Yeah. Uh, and, and what we told them is what I've told you tonight, call, you know, check Charity Navigator, check uh, GuideStar to make sure they're legitimate organizations first off. And number two, to make sure that they're given the money's actually going to the programs and services, and not just going into somebody's pocket. Mm. That's one way to, to to check it. But I'm not sure we can ever stop the charlatans out there. You try; I mean, we do our best, but there's always some folks that that take advantage of other people. Mm. Yeah, and that's
1: that's highly unfortunate.
2: Oh, it is. It is because they they've done some nasty things to a lot of. Uh, you know, widows and elderly and less fortunate people, and it's a shame. But the best way to to to, to beat beat that is to educate the, those people, let them know, and and the internet is certainly one good way of of doing, because you can get so much information so quickly.
0: Right. That is true. That is true. So, Mr. Clemens, if someone wanted to get in contact with you for speaking
2: engagements,
0: um, how would they do that?
2: The best way is to go to my website www.theperfectboard.com. You've already been on it, Greg, I think, oh, yeah. and Brian. Mm-hmm. Um so uh that's one easy way to contact me and it's all my contact information is there. Uh there's I there's even a phone number you can call. Yeah. And I actually answer the telephone. <laughs> <laughs> you you know
0: when you when you when you're traveling and speaking, do you um talk are some of your topics about marketing, is it a lot of it about your, your current book now? Uh, what are some of your, your topics other than just your marketing, which you have all this experience in? What are some of the other topics?
2: I can also talk about a small business because uh, I've run a successful small business for 31 years, so I guess I know a little bit about that as well. And and how to how to do your planning because most businesses well I want, no I shouldn't say most a lot of businesses don't plan very well, and then they have some problems because they haven't planned, and and even if it's written on a paper towel or a napkin, that's better than no plan. And there's still lots of businesses that just don't plan. They, they don't understand a, that concept, and it's very very important. Yeah. Even big businesses make
1: errors. Hmm. You know, I would, well, I'm not going to call any names off. <laughs> there, was I was I was, there was one I was thinking about in general, and I said, ah, I better not call that name. But, yeah. yeah. You know. I was
2: thinking the same thing. Probably not the same company, but it's best we, <laughs> as best we don't use any names. Oh. No. Right. But but I, I can talk about the, the, the boards. I can talk about marketing. And as we mentioned, uh, running a small business, I'm more than happy to do
1: those things. Mm-hmm. And could so, yeah. talk a little bit about leadership as well.
0: Oh, now that's important.
1: Yes, yes, leadership is definitely important. But I want to ask you about the marketing side of having a board. You know, do you want your board to actually help you and assist you in marketing your vision? Your board should buy into the vision of, of the
2: organization, absolutely, and and. The board can be a a very good marketing tool for you because most of your board members are going to know quite a few other people as well. And if you multiply those times the people that they know, now you're dealing into many you know, hundreds and maybe thousands of people. And that's how organizations spread. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book on the tipping point, if you've read that, it's a great book, that talks about how you get that groundswell moving. So, yes, your board can be very, very key, uh, key marketing people. And if they believe in your mission, what better people to, to go out and help market the organization? But you still need a, a good marketing person on your board to develop the marketing programs.
1: Hmm. Okay, all right. I'm actually writing down that uh, <laughs> that name of that book, The Tipping Point. Yeah, The Tipping Point. Brad-
2: Malcolm Gladwell.
1: Gladwell,
2: I'm sorry. Gladwell, yes. He also wrote Blink. Uh, He's uh, he's now a pretty well known speaker. I think he charges probably about fifty or sixty thousand dollars to do a speaking engagement. But he's got he's got some different thoughts. Well, you buy your book, buy his book, and you don't have to. And I don't get anything for this at all. I mean, but I just think (laughs) it's a good book. Um, He's just got a different perspective. Wow. Are
0: are you you dealing with a lot of? college kids now coming out on you? Are you speaking on the uh, university level as far as... No,
2: I'm not. I'd like to do that. I did teach about 25 years ago. Uh, I did teach at a couple of local universities. I taught marketing and advertising, but I would really like to get back and talk to the young people because I think some of them need uh, more guidance than they pretend to do. I've yes. got a couple of young people working for me, and and uh, they're just kind of meandering right now.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm so you know especially when they come straight out of college and they think they and I'm not beating them up at all but
2: <laughs>
0: it, it it's a lot of things have changed things have changed so much um it just seems like nowadays we're, the the world that we're living in is a little bit more selfish than it was when when you were coming up you know when you were coming up everybody wanted to help one another and and, and do these type of things but now it just seems as if everybody's distancing themselves from each other. I don't know if it's just the time that we're living in or people are just being a little bit more selfish now. But, uh, again, you have to have people. You have to communicate with people in this day and age, and that's so important. But that's something that we're lacking, and um, it's, it's something needed. We need you at these universities speaking.
2: I think it's caused, Greg, a little bit by the way we communicate now. Look how much we communicate by email and by, you know, instant messaging and by telephone. A lot of times we don't even want to meet face-to-face anymore. It's right. kind of crazy, isn't it? Yes. And that's what it's all about, meeting face-to-face and seeing the person's eyes and their nose and their lips and and how they respond to things. You don't get that now, and, and maybe that's why... 'cause I share your 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 feelings a hundred percent i I think there's a lot of people out there that are a little bit more selfish
1: right right you know and and I like the fact that you said that you see their eyes because I've always been taught that the eyes are the windows to the soul, and the best way to find out whether a person is credible or criminal is to look directly in their eyes when you speak to them oh yeah
2: and and when we get. I'm going to send you an email about a speaker that you can have on your next show or one of your shows down the road. You you will like this guy 100% about that very subject. Hmm.
1: Yes, we'll love to have him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: anything, anything to help someone. That That's just what we do. Uh, we love doing what we do. And we 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 just try to get the information out there. Like you said, the best thing to do is to educate somebody else on and to look out for this and scammers and how to try to run their boards and, and that type of thing. So anything to help someone, that's what we're about. And it seems like we both, the, the, you I and Brian, it just seems like we're all connected as far as helping one another. And uh, mm-hmm. again, that's what that's what I think that's what we were all created to do is to help one another.
2: Yeah. I go along with that,
0: <laughs> but yes, you, you know, where can we get your book? I know it's on your on your um, on your site. Can we go to Amazon.com or can it Barnes and Nobles? Uh, yes, we, we'll yeah, out. they
2: believe it or not, <laughs> Amazon.com sells it cheaper than I can, but uh, and that's where they should go and buy because they really can get it cheaper. Or Barnes and Noble, they also have it discounted. They can buy it from my website if they choose. That's that's fine. If they buy it from my website, I autograph it and send it to them. Wow! But (laughs) but if they buy it from Amazon, they get it for like four bucks cheaper. Uh, I can't compete with (laughs) Amazon.com. Not yet. You can't. many people
1: can. But yeah, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, that's a positive spin. Yes, it is. But Brian,
0: did you have any last thoughts for for? Mr. Clemens.
1: Well, I just want to say I, I really enjoyed this hour. I've I've learned so much. Greg knows that I'm not much of a writer. I don't write a lot of stuff down, but I've been sitting here just jotting down, you know, a few words here. And um, I want to say thanks again for joining us tonight. And I want to leave you with some of my – this is what I do at the end of every show. So I want to leave you with these thoughts. It says – a. The perfect board must have impeccable trust and integrity. They must come up with a sound financial plan. And before they get to the tipping point, <laughs> they must understand what their purpose and passion and where their purpose is and their passions lie. With that being said, we thank you again for joining us tonight, and to all of our listeners, we also thank you for joining us. And we hope that you join us on next Monday when we'll have another wonderful show with another great topic. Please tune in. Make sure you go to theperfectboard.com, purchase the book. It's called The Perfect Board by Calvin K. Clemens. Uh, I can call him Cal now. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you go out, purchase that book, check out the website, call him up for speaking engagements, go to the website, give him your contact information. He'd love to come and talk to you. He'd love to help you set up your boards. With that being said, you've been listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. We thank you, good evening, and God bless you.